1: Well, Teresa, while everyone else is talking about shirtless Han Solo, we're gonna talk about different stuff.
0: <laughs> whoa, 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 wait! Shirtless Han Solo?
1: Shirtless Han Solo? Yes. What is
0: shirtless Han Solo?
1: Like all the—that's like all the uh, the buzz right now on Twitter and such. The uh, oh,
0: please enlighten me because the image
1: you... from the latest issue of the Star Wars ongoing series has a scene
0: oh.
1: with Han Solo, and not only is he shirtless. But he is shirtless and chopping wood. <laughs> as you do.
0: God. Oh my gosh, that's what all men do all the time. Yeah. So. Man, yeah, I did see that. Uh, the funniest thing about that, though, is the second I saw it, I knew I had to send that image to Sarah Woloski, uh, my co host from Fangirls Girls Going Rogue, because she's so obsessed with Harrison Ford. She's obsessed with that man. And so I knew I had to send it to her. So I sent it to her and her reaction was holy S word.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: That's all she said. She didn't say anything. Else. And then if I recall, she posted it on Facebook and said like, Teresa knows me so well as she posted. It. <laughs> this is very funny. Yeah. A lot of people were talking about that. I didn't see what people were really saying did you see what people were saying
1: I think mainly it just kind of became a meme people were joking mm-hmm. about it a lot um, the attention to it seemed either like oh my goodness look how hot he is or oh my goodness I can't believe that they put that picture in a Star Wars comic book so <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a mixed reaction and that's that's from the Star Wars ongoing series which has had a handful of different artist but that specific artist does very photorealistic drawings yeah so so it's very much like oh look there's a shirtless Harrison Ford it's not it's not very cartoon looking or anything like that it's very much uh real looking so shirtless Han Solo I I mean I kind of saw it as a spoiler I haven't even gotten that far into the series yet so I saw that pop up on Twitter I'm like spoilers I didn't know
0: that his new workout regimen yeah right It's crazy. I'm not gonna lie, though. When I saw it, I got slightly uncomfortable. Just because it is so realistic, like it's Han Solo that you're looking at, or like Harrison Ford that you're looking at. It's not a caricature. But I was like, Oh, I don't know if I should be looking at that.
1: It's not like he's ever been seen in that in the movies that way, you know? Like, they didn't no. ever have, like, shirtless I mean, scenes or anything that really focused even... on his physique, so kind of seeing it in comic book form is like, oh, that's unexpected.
0: Yeah, not even in Indiana Jones. Like, he wasn't even really, like, seen like that, you know?
1: Yeah, I think he, he gets the real low button down, you know, you get some chest shots of Indiana Jones, but I don't know if he ever went shirtless. He might have. I don't know. I'm not very versed in the Indiana Jones movies.
0: No, but. I I know enough. You know, I don't think he really was no. ever. Uh, well, anyway.
1: Oh well, we'll get there eventually in the comics, and we can talk about it again when we actually review that that uh mm. that volume, if we ever yeah. get to him. But there's been a lot of cool news going on with Star Wars. We have we actually haven't podcasted in a while. We no, I would say we kind of took an unofficial break.
0: It was very unofficial. It was more of because my schedule has been cuckoo. And every time we try to record, I end up saying, and I'm being honest, I usually tell Aaron, I'm really tired. I would rather just take a nap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe not quite like that, but yeah, you've definitely been busy. I've been busy too. And I, then I think I got sick one time when oh, we were yeah. going to try to record and then you were sick one time we tried to record. So I think it just hasn't worked out for the past couple months, but it was an unofficial unplanned break, but we are back recording Star Wars Bookworms and we're up to episode 95 now.
0: Yeah.
1: So there's, because we haven't recorded in so long, there has been some news. There's been things like Star Wars Resistance has been going on, and they have the Lego, you know, Star Wars All-Stars show that's been going on, Uh, Mandalorian news, and now we have this news of a new TV series that dropped um, since last time we recorded. So I I at least wanted to talk, I don't want to talk about all the things I just listed because we just don't have time, and there's other shows that review that stuff. But I did want to at least talk about the Cassian Andor series because to me that was a surprising announcement and a surprising character to have a live action show based on, and I haven't really had a chance to talk to you about it. So I was kind of thinking we could, you know, get a reaction from you on what you think about it, and then maybe we can talk about the news.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, well, when I saw it. I saw it sort of in passing because I was at work and dealing with probably hurt athletes or something and all was like, interesting, and then moved on. <laughs> okay. What's... But then, hold on, hold on, hold on. But then when I really got to think about it, I was like, Diego Luna, yeah! Like, like, <laughs> I'm just really excited about Diego Luna basically being the main character on a TV show because he's so interesting and cool and really like he really cares about representation, you know? And so I think it's really cool that this guy who's not from America that's Hispanic or Latino or whatever. Anyway, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's neat. But
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's I've seen that reaction um from a lot of people. There and there is a there is Latino representation in Star Wars. But mm-hmm. to have a character that is the focus character of a live action series, and have the live action series, you know, that's kind of the big stuff that's coming up with the, the movies and the live action series with the Disney streaming service coming. Um, you know, they had they really had to pick some winners for this these shows that they're doing. The Mandalorian was kind of like, oh, they're doing a show about Mandalorians, not necessarily that that uh, surprising, um, but then to have a show specifically focused on Cassian. It's like, oh wow, that is like he's the main character. That's pretty huge.
0: I think it's huge, but at the same time, I don't know if it's a compelling enough argument for people to buy into Disney Plus. You know, I that's my fear with the Disney streaming service is that the content that's on it for Star Wars is not going to be, at least initially, as compelling as they they could make it. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you've seen the news about some of the stuff they're doing for Marvel, and it's actually Kevin Feige. It's a mar- part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they're doing stuff on the for Disney Plus, uh, and it's some limited limited series type of situations or mini series or something. But that stuff actually seems a whole lot more interesting right now. <laughs> uh, so I'm a little concerned. The other thing I'm concerned about too is that they're making Star Wars content not as accessible like when everything was on xd with rebels it was already getting to where it wasn't accessible and so now i'm afraid that it's just going more that way but that's just me thinking like uh (laughs) uh-oh
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see how it turns out i know this like star trek they did their show that was only on the cbs streaming service Mm -hmm. which from what I can tell, from friends of mine that are Star Trek fans, that it's actually been pretty well received as far as a show, mm-hmm. but you don't really hear that many people talking about it because, like you said, it's not readily accessible. It's not on you know cable or network TV where anyone, most anyone, could watch it. Um, so it's like you really have to find it.
0: Yeah, so. when you have to make a show, what I think it's like Stranger Things, for example. You have to make a show that is compelling enough that people are talking about it so much that people want to get Netflix because they want to watch that show or they want to get Disney Plus because they want to see that content. Well, like,
1: how many people have HBO only because they watch Game of Thrones?
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people got, like, HBO Now or HBO Go or whatever the heck it's called because they wanted to watch Game of Thrones. Right. You know, and so it's one of those situations. But at the same time, I think – It's also Disney needs to utilize the large magazine or library of stuff that they have that and put on there that people can't see right now. Like, for for example, the Aristocats is not available on Blu-ray anywhere, you know, but if you have access to a lot of those classic Disney movies like Robin Hood and the Aristocats and Jungle Book and like things that are not out right now, a lot of people might get it because of that. Because they – or even some of those old live actions, you know? Like David um, Crockett. Or... Well, I, I don't know if I'd pick that one. I love David uh, Crockett. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't know if I would pick that particular show. Treasure but, Island. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or like uh, – I don't know. What are some of those other classics people really like? Like Polly Annoying Yeah, or the, like the Apple Dumpling Gang yeah, yeah. and, you know, some of that kind of stuff. Things that people haven't seen in forever, that darn cat. Um, I think lover. that
1: <laughs> I think Disney's probably looking this, looking at this as like a they can take risks on certain shows because they're selling this as a package deal. You know, it's like if you get Disney Plus, you get all of this content, and so they're expecting enough subscriptions that they're going to make their money back, and they can take some risks on some shows. I don't think I think the Mandalorian. Show is more of a response to like let's do something that's very mainstream and is going to pull in the audience. People are going to recognize Mandalorian and want to watch the show. I think Cassian's more of a risk.
0: Mm, yeah, probably. And you know the other thing too, because we don't know a whole lot about Disney Plus, but what we do know is that Disney has a rather large stake in Hulu because of the some of the deals that they've made. And so the question is becoming will this be a tied in bundle deal like will you get a deal on hulu because you're getting this you know or or not probably not but like maybe you know who knows just yeah. because disney like owns like a huge chunk of hulu or something
1: so which show of the two are you more excited for
0: I think the Cassian show actually like at first I was super excited about the Mandalorian which I still am but I think the Cassian show and it's mainly because I really like the character and I like Diego Luna so yeah but that's coming from someone who is a Star Wars fan already and isn't being introduced to this character for the very first time um,
1: yeah and I think people sometimes people forget how well Rogue One did I mean, that movie did make a lot of money. And I think some of these characters will be remembered. And so I I think people, the mainstream audience will recognize this character, I think. Did they Mm -hmm. want a live action show about this character? That's probably not one of the first people that, you know, they would have picked. But I do think that there's a recognizable or a recognition factor with, with him. And I think with Diego Luna in general, like he's been in a lot of other really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even, I think that a new show just dropped on Netflix, uh, Narcos Mexico, which mm-hmm. he stars in. So, I mean, he's a recognizable face. It's not like he's an unknown. So I, I think this show has potential to do very well. I, I personally am more excited for Mandalorian, not by much, but only because of some of the creatives involved in that one. And we don't really well, know. Well, yeah, that's true. We don't really know a lot about the creatives involved in this show. Um, So they, but for me, it's almost 50, 50, I'm, I'm almost equally excited for both. And Mm -hmm. the Cassian one was a big, a big surprise, but I think there's a ton of potential for the time period that it's in the cameos that could be in there. There's a lot of potential for different actors that are, you know, still out there that could be, could show up in this people that were in Rogue One or people that were in the Han Solo movie, uh, rebels characters, they're all in the same time period. So, Mm -hmm. so I think there's a ton of
0: potential. well, and I'm hoping that they find a way I know, you know, budgets are a little bit more limited, but for K2SO to be in it in some form, like I would really like that. And I'm sure Alan Tudyk would be like, okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's like, how do you have Han Solo without Chewbacca? How do you have Cassian without K2SO? So that I do hope that they introduce him into the show eventually. And I don't feel like that would be too budget heavy just for one CGI character like that. Um, you have to imagine that these shows are going to have a pretty big uh, effects budget, just because they're Star Wars. Maybe. So yeah, we'll see. But I know that's not really book news, but I thought it would be fun to talk about just because that was, you know, that's been on people's minds lately.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, some other stuff. I guess we're finally starting to get information about Celebration, which is crazy because it's for so long Celebration has seemed so far away, but I guess it's really not now.
1: Yeah, really uh, close. Like what, Some like five months away?
0: Oh, don't say that. That's scary. Okay. 2019, uh, the year of Star it. Wars. Yeah, right? On November 19th, StarWars.com dropped a list of some of the authors that will be present at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, which of course applies to us and we're quite excited about it. So Jeffrey Brown, who we know from the, uh, the little kids books like Darth Vader and Friends, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh Katie Cook, who we all know and love, and she does the best, best cutesy Star Wars characters ever. And okay, so with Katie Cook I really want to go and see her and like have her sign the page in my colouring book that she did of like the Ewoks or something. <laughs> yeah. Delilah Dawson will be there. Alexander Freed, Timothy Zahn, Claudia Gray, and Kevin Scott. So that's pretty exciting. It's a good, it's a good mix. Uh, so Delilah Dawson will be there. She did Star Wars Phasma. Claudia Gray has a book coming around that time, I think. Uh, Master and Apprentice. That's the Qui Gon, uh, Obi Wan book, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then Katie Cook. Uh, she just wrote a book that called Star Wars Search Your Feelings, and I actually have that. It's the cutest about teaching kids what feelings are. <laughs> it's so awesome. And then Alexander Freed has an upcoming book called Star Wars Alphabet Squadron, which I think is hilarious. Have we talked about this? I can't well, remember. No,
1: let's talk about it. We can talk about this book now because we were gonna we were gonna mention this uh, because this is another announcement that came out since we talked, although it came out in New York Comic Con. Uh, we haven't really had a chance to talk about this, so I think we can talk about Alphabet Squadron. Um, mm-hmm. Is that like, wh- what were you wanting to say? Just the the title you thought was funny?
0: But it's funny because I always have kind of thought that I'm like A-Wing, B-Wing, C-Wing, D-Wing. You know, even though I'm, there's no C-Wing or D-Wing that I'm aware of. But I've just always thought it was funny that they are all named after letters, and most of them look like their letters, except for the B-Wing. It doesn't look like a B. But... I was just like, oh, that's funny. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think the Alphabet Squadron, I think the idea of that book, I believe it's set post-Return of the Jedi, and it's supposed to be a squadron um, where everyone in the squadron flies a different ship. That So there's an A-wing in there, there's an X-wing, there's a U-wing. I think there might be a B-wing. I don't know. So it's it's called Alphabet Squadron, and they are tasked, I guess, to go kind of hunt down the remnants of the Empire um, and try to, you know, eliminate the rest of the uh, leadership. So, um, we don't have a ton of details about the book, but we do know it's written by Alexander Freed, who has written, um, other military-based books in Star Wars. He did the first Battlefront book, and then he did, he did the novelization for, um, was it Rogue One? Yes. Alexander Freed. Okay, so yeah, so so he's he's written uh, books that are very military based. So I think this one makes sense for him. And I I liked I liked the first Battlefront book. I did not read the Rogue One novelization, but I heard good things about it. So he's probably a, a good a good pick for this one. I think the title is weird. I although I I I get where they're going with it. I do think it's just kind of an odd title. Alphabet Squadron just doesn't sound very cool. Or intimidating. It just sounds like it it sounds like a children's book. We were just talking about Katie Cook and Jeffrey Brown. So that it sounds like a children's book. It sounds like a children's book to me. But and I actually, funny enough, I was when I was at New York Comic Con I talked to um some of the the Del Rey people about it and kind of told them I thought this the, the title was silly. And they very much defended their title. They liked their title. Um but then I heard the story about how the title came about Which I thought was really funny, and it was basically, and I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell this, but I'm going to, because it's been long enough, but I was talking to Matt Martin, who is a Lucasfilm employee story group, and he said that basically in a meeting he joked, like, oh, ha ha, we could call it Alphabet Squadron, and then they went with it. And so he was like, yeah, just, that's lesson learned, to never jokingly put a title out there, because they might actually go with it.
0: (laughs) That's funny. So. Well, so yeah, Alphabet that's awesome.
1: So Alexander Freed makes sense that he'll be at Celebration uh, because of that book coming out. Some of the other names I'm curious about because Delilah Dawson, for one, hasn't really had anything in a while. So I'm wondering if they're announcing a book for her.
0: Mm hmm. That's pretty interesting. I hope so. I did enjoy Phasma. So, you know, it's. And, The areas of Phasma I had issues with, I don't think there's anything that she could have done for any of that stuff, you know? Right. So, you know, I'm excited if there is something. But we don't know. We know nothing. They don't tell us things.
1: We don't know. But Alexander Freed already has a book. Claudia Gray does as well. Um, Kevin Scott, we know, um, he's he's written the the tales from from Wild Space, but he's also written mm-hmm. a lot of the the Star Wars Adventures, like shorts in the comics. So, you know, who knows, there may be a project he's attached to as well. And then Timothy's on I don't know. They either have him there so they can have a Thrawn panel or they're gonna announce another book for him. Maybe they'll announce the final final thrawn book in the Thrawn trilogy. So
0: maybe. That would be interesting.
1: And it's a pretty short list, so I would have to think that, you know, there's going to be more than, uh, what is this, seven authors they have here announced. You would think that there's going to be additions to this, and this is just a a, kind of an initial list of authors that will be attending, but there's got to be more.
0: Oh, yeah, I would think so for sure. I don't think this is it at all.
1: And then as far as celebration goes, I mean, there's a lot of uh, cool stuff going on, there's a lot, there's been some announcements, and um, you know, there's, we're obviously planning to go, right? Mm-hmm. So That's we're planning the plan. To go. There will be a Bookworms presence at Celebration. And then, um, you know, as we, as we find out more, we can share more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we had mentioned that Kevin Scott is one of the writers that has contributed to the Star Wars Adventures. And we're actually going to talk about Star Wars Adventures, volume two in this episode of Bookworms um and this is star wars adventures volume two unexpected detour is the title of this one publisher idw and it's obviously various writers which this actually has some pretty interesting writers that are involved in these stories including delilah dawson Mm -hmm. uh, we just talked about she actually wrote one of these stories and alan tudyk of all people
0: I know, I thought that was weird.
1: To one of these stories. So I think, you know, Star Wars Adventures is one of those things that I don't think a lot of people are reading, and I don't see a lot of people talking about them. But they they're really,
0: should be, because they're, they're really, pretty good.
1: Yeah, they're really cool stories, and it's kind of in the vein of, um, you know, some of the other things that Star Wars is doing right now with with Lego Star Wars All-Stars kind of has a similar vibe where it's telling these, like, individual little stories, um, at least in those first eight shorts that they did. And then, um, uh, what's the one I'm thinking of, uh, Forces of Destiny kind of is that way too, where it's mm-hmm. these little separate stories and Star Wars adventures. So I, I like picking up Star Wars adventures because you don't really have to know anything about any of the other, you know, stories going on. You can just pick it up and read these individual stories and just get like a little snapshot of a moment of something in the, uh galaxy far far away so these have been fun i think more people shouldn't be sleeping on these
0: no and the coloring is always really good and it's i don't know maybe it's the fact that it's more little kid looking that i'm it holds my attention it doesn't take itself too seriously which i really like
1: yeah definitely and i think like
0: comics have tried they've suddenly gotten like all super serious and stuff
1: well, and there's there's different tastes, and you know some some people like the really serious, realistic stuff. Some people like the more funny stuff, lighthearted. But I think these comics, they definitely tend to be a little bit more silly. But then they do they do have some stories that are more serious too. Um, and then they don't go too heavy on the silly side, although some of the stories do. But it's it's a nice balance, and it's definitely a good one if you have kids that want to get into comics. These would be perfect to introduce them. You might not want to give him shirtless Han Solo right off the bat, but you can definitely give him a story about Finn and a purple monster. Oh yeah, so
0: <laughs> that was funny. It's not really a monster.
1: Well, it's kind of. Well, so we'll jump He's right like into it, creature. and we'll kind of. We're not going to go through like super detailed review these because these aren't the type of stories you really need to have that much depth. Um, but we'll talk about each story and kind of give our impressions. Um, But this first story in in this volume is called Pest Control. And this one was written by Landry Q. Walker and the artist is Eric Jones. Um, We'll give a shout out to the letterer, Tom B. Long. And this one's about Finn. So we get a Finn story right off the bat. Were you happy to see Finn?
0: Yeah, it was. I was more happy to see the little purple monster giving him crap. And also him getting in trouble for taking his helmet off.
1: I like Finn's comment where he's like, why can't we just land on a, what did he say? Something about like a planet of cake.
0: A cupcake, a planet of cake. (laughs) Yeah. Because I guess he was having to clean up the gunk or mud or something that was on the, that was on the ship. He's like, why can't we just land on a planet of cake?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the panel now. It's like, why do we always land on mud planets? Yeah. I mean, planet of cakes. Cake planet. That could happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you see Finn um cleaning off. It says mud, but it does, it looks like slime. It's like this green slime yeah. off of the off of a ship. So, um but this story is all about this little green creature that shows up. Or not green, this little purple creature, which I did feel like I will say this, although I don't mind the silliness of some of these stories, this one definitely was probably the most silly of the ones in the comic. And I would agree. Almost felt like, because I know these are technically, when I say technically, quote unquote, technically canon, all these stories are supposed to be. Um, but I feel like this is one that could probably skirt the edge of not not necessarily being canon. The, the author may not have intended that this would be a, a canon story.
0: This might be a canon adjacent canon
1: story. Adjacent, yeah. Um, I did think the the little creature didn't seem very, uh, Star Wars. Like it it was almost too, it almost looked like something that came out of like Muppets or.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Kind of looks like a Furby.
0: A Furby? Do you remember Furbies at all? Do you really? Because it doesn't really look like a Furby. Uh, I had a Furby. I had multiple Furbies, by the way. One of them talked on its own. It was very weird. Kind of creepy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting in the sense, in the sense that, that the creature itself had moments where it was a little bit scary and then it turned fluffy. Like I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how big it was at first. It was definitely more
1: fluffy than scary. And it was kind of like, almost like chimpanzee size. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I got. Cause you see a couple s- scenes where it's like perched up on his shoulder. Um, we got Kylo Ren, cameo, um, and um, Hux. Yeah,
0: Hux. Hux yeah,
1: we got Kylo yeah, Ren. Yeah, there was and this Hux.
0: interaction between between Kylo Ren and Finn that was so funny. Like because Finn pretends to be Phasma, like holding the helmet in the air like pretending to talk like Phasma, and he's like, well, that shouldn't have worked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it definitely shouldn't have worked. (laughs) No, it shouldn't have worked That's where I was like, that's why I was saying it's kind of, you almost have a hard time accepting this one, where you're like, okay, this is just a silly, fun story that's not meant to be. I don't feel like this actually really happened. I don't feel like this happened. That Finn tricked Kylo Ren with with Phasma's helmet, and that that he that easily got into Phasma's quarters.
0: Yeah, no that that can't happen that easy. That just can't.
1: <laughs> but I mean, that it it ends up that basically they go they go to this planet and he's trying to get rid of this little fur ball, and then they realize. Well, basically, Phasma tells him to kill the creature, mm-hmm. and he's and, you know Finn has this choice where he he starts to imagine the possibilities like, well, if I kill it, if I don't kill it, then I'm gonna die. Like, they all the stormtroopers are gonna kill me. And so he, he doesn't end up having to kill the creature, though, because the creature's family or relatives or whatever show up, and they're all, like, giant versions of the creature and uh, scare Phasma and everybody off. Yeah. So, fun story. Um, the next one is the, tr- the Trouble at Tibrin, and this was also written by L- Landry Q. Walker, artist Eric Jones, um, colorist Charlie Kirchhoff, and letters Tom Belong and Krista Messner. What would you think about this one?
0: I'm trying to remember what was this one.
1: So Le- uh this is like Leia and Luke, and a <gasps> couple oh, random.
0: Oh, oh, and she's like dressed up.
1: Yeah, and she does the whole disguise thing. Like she's got a, she's dressed up in like this elegant gown at first, and you see like her little identity chips. I guess she's holding. Mm-hmm. Of the different identities that she can, I guess she does does this enough that she has different identities that she can go <laughs> as. But in this case, I believe when she's in the gown, she's still, you know, going as Leia. No,
0: yeah, she was still going as Leia, if I remember correctly. And the only issue was is she was supposed to go and talk to these people to convince them to become a part of the rebellion.
1: Right. The um, Tib. I believe is the
0: Ishi-tib. species. Tib. That's funny, Ishy Tib. So eh, that's a funny species. Yeah, and then and then I can't. What happens after? Like, cause she something happens as soon as they land, right? They land and they get off the ship. And yeah, then and there's they basically, some sort of an explosion or something. They're not supposed they get, to attract the They get the outed. Attention. Yeah, they yeah. get outed as like what their cover is. Like they're not actually undercover anymore.
1: Yeah. And these other rebel guys that are with Luke, they're kind of like starstruck about Luke. Because Luke, this is set uh, pretty soon after A New Hope. And so Luke, I guess is known to be the guy who blew up the Death Star. So these other rebels that are with them are kind of like, Oh, it's so cool that he did that. And I wish we could go into battle. And then they're quickly faced with this battle because the stormtroopers, um, you know, start shooting at them. And the guys don't react as well as I think they may have thought they would do in battle. hmm. Um, but Luke actually gets blowed up, kind of, Yeah. So by a, an errant grenade. The guy throws it and, and lands next to Luke. And the way that the panel looks when it blows up, you're like, oh my goodness, he, like Luke just died. But I guess <laughs> the force protected him and he, he survived the blast, but he ends up getting captured. Mm-hmm. Which then Leia then Leia goes undercover as an imperial officer. Which I thought that was a cool um, that was a cool panel to see her dressed up as an imperial. It's kind of a cool look look for her.
0: Oh yeah, when she puts on the outfit and everything, and then she she finds her way in there, and he's like attached to almost like this torture device.
1: Yeah, Luke's about to get tortured, and there's this creepy imperial guy that's you know trying to intimidate him. Mm-hmm. I don't like the, that Imperial. I don't I don't know what his name no, is. No,
0: he's weird looking.
1: But he's he's very creepy looking. They have him with like these like I don't know, something about the way his eyes look. He almost looks like a young Dooku.
0: Yeah, he's got crazy eyes.
1: But yeah, so Leia shows up, um, kind of tricks her way into the into this Star Destroyer and then ends up saving the day pretty much.
0: Mhm. But. This one was okay, May, clearly, because I don't didn't really remember most of it. But it's all right. And you do get to see her in her white kind of Leia traditional outfit towards the end. And Luke's wearing his like yellow jacket that yeah. you see at the end of uh, A New Hope.
1: Yeah, which I know in the Star Wars comics, the Star Wars run of comics from Marvel, they've really focused on that look for Luke. So you see a lot of Luke in that yellow jacket. Um, there was a scene where Leia was in the trash compactor.
0: And oh yeah, the trash compactor. She's like, not again.
1: <laughs> had the creature, the the one eyeballed the, creature,
0: the dianoga,
1: the dianoga, and then like she blows up the trash compactor, and you actually see the dianoga like flying through the air. I was like, oh, a poor innocent creature.
0: Yeah, he's not nearly as big as I thought he was.
1: Yeah, it must have been a baby one. That's a baby dianoga. <laughs> it's a
0: baby dianoga.
1: <laughs>
0: have you heard the baby shark song?
1: Uh, have I heard it? Yes.
0: Okay, baby Dianoga.
1: (laughs) That would be a little tougher. Baby Dianoga. Nah,
0: that doesn't really work.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah, so I guess this is kind of the story, because in the end, she blows up the trash compactor, then they get away in this escape pod, and then basically the Imperial officers, like, shoot them down, but then the Ishi Tib show up and save the day, so... This, I guess, is the, the official story on how the Ishi-Tib joined the rebellion. So, so kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next one, Tales from Wild Space. Uh, they throw a couple of these in, usually. Um, this is the one that was written by Alan Tudyk.
0: Yeah, um, and Shannon Eric Denton. Yeah.
1: So this one, I think you'll like this one. This is Adventures in Wookiee Sitting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> written by Alan Tudyk and Shannon Eric Denton, artist- Ariana Florian, colorist Monica Kubina, and letters Krista Meissner and Tom B. Long. Yep. Um, so these always start out with the kid telling the story to the droids. It's kind of like this little lesson and then they, they go and they show um, the story. So this is Cassian and K2SO, which we just talked about mm-hmm. them at length with the live action series. But um, we got to see a little story here that was pretty cute because children wookies were involved.
0: Yeah, child wookies with oh. goofy names. One of them's name is basically Y hat. Why hat? <laughs> <laughs> um, or why I, it? I don't know. anyway, yeah, but they're so cute looking. they have these cute little faces. They look so happy and joyful. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess the Wookies were kind of a surprise to Cassian. They weren't supposed to be there, and so then Cassian's kind of like, "Hey, you have to stay with these Wookies while I go do this mission because we can't put these these kid Wookies in danger." Mm-hmm. So basically, K2SO is stuck with babysitting duty, which I mean, it's it's not like you know there isn't a ton to this story. There's some comedic moments, the a lot of cute drawings.
0: Yes. Lots you, of cute drawings like
1: with
0: rhinoceroses. Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> of course I did. It's
1: cute. Yeah, some kind of rhinoceros creatures. Um that the Wookiees end well, up riding.
0: Yeah, so then like K2SO has to figure out how to feed them. And he says, Wookiee children, the appropriate protein levels are now optimum and they're like, What? I'm like, who cares? <laughs> There is yeah. a percentage within acceptable markers that you will find this protein mixture abhorrent to your taste receptors. <laughs> I suggest aggressive mastication to keep the gag reflex to a minimum.
1: <laughs> so do you think Alan Tudyk, do you think they reached out to him to help write this story or did he reach yeah. out to
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. but <laughs> he, he was definitely, just like, I want to
1: write a story about Wookiees and K2SO.
0: He definitely wrote, the, wrote what K2 says. He had to have. Oh, they also use that's so funny. So, okay, I doodle while I podcast. I don't know mm-hmm. if you knew that, but we were talking about Indiana Jones earlier. So, I drew a whip and I and I used the phrase thwip, you mm-hmm. know, when it went. And there's a thwip in, in this comic. Uh,
1: oh, yeah, because they have to kind of lasso K2SO so yeah. he doesn't get trampled by the rhino beasts.
0: Yeah, but you know, so then K2 is trying to do this whole thing where he's trying to protect these kid bookies but he gets ends up getting in trouble and they have to kind of save him from all these dinosaur beasts yeah and then cassie cassie comes back
1: and then so this next one tale was another tales from wild space mattis makes a stand mm-hmm. um this one was written by ben acker and ben blacker artist annie Wu, colorist lee longridge or lowridge and letter tom b long um, the artist, the art style for this one was definitely different yes. than the previous ones. I believe that we've gotten other stories. Uh, I think when we did volume one, I, th- I think she drew um, that stories before, but this isn't my, f- I, I don't love this art style.
0: No, I don't either. And this is probably my least favorite of all the stories just because it, it was very yellow. <laughs> which was a little hard for me because I don't like yellow.
1: Yeah, they're on like kind of a planet that looks like you know there's a lot of fields of hay and or wheat or whatever. Um, and so yeah, it has this very harvest kind of look to it. so a lot of yellows, some green. Um, and the art style is very I mean I know it's intentional, but it looks very rough and unfinished almost. And some of the characters, um, you know, there's not a lot of detail. So, I mean, I know some people like that art style for me, I prefer, uh, something a little bit more detailed, but, um, not really a lot to this story other than just, you know, these kids kind of getting, one of the kids is getting bullied by a Trandoshan child, which, mm-hmm. which was kind of disturbing that this, this Trandoshan was holding this kid over top of, um, uh, I don't know what it was, but basically something that would, it was almost like a wood chipper type thing, where you're like, yeah, oh my goodness, it was like, a little. It's kind of violent.
0: Well, I mean, the moral of the story is pretty good, except for the fact that I don't really feel like you fight bullies by being mean and like pushing them around. <laughs> but yeah, I get it; I get where they were going with it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the you know he stood up for himself, and you know it was kind of funny in the scene where he was basically remembering all the heroes of the republic and he's remembering leia and luke and Akbar, and then he just runs away so it was yeah, kind of but funny because he, he thought he would stand up at that moment and then all of a sudden he just runs away and you're like oh okay
0: yeah but he wasn't standing up for himself he was standing up for another kid a smaller kid that was being bullied right yeah so i mean he decided to do something
1: yeah and they kind of made it, you think that Mattis runs away scared, but then he does show back up with some sort of harvesting vehicle that has these very sharp blades on it.
0: Yeah, a Himmel reaper.
1: And, and scares the Trandocean away. Um, so, yeah, and that's pretty much the story. There wasn't really mm-hmm. much more to it. Um, that one definitely is much more um, geared toward a younger audience.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, the last one, by far my favorite of all of the stories from this one, is Tales from Wild Space, and it's called The Best Pet. So everybody, take a guess at what that could possibly mean. I give you. A, oh, n- no, they're not pets. Ewoks are not pets. <laughs> oh, that's Incorrect. right. Correct,
1: sir. They're computer geniuses.
0: They are. They are computer geniuses. This one was written by Delilah Dawson and the artist is Ariana Florian. And this is about porks.
1: Yes. Yay. This one is uh, very reminiscent to the the book that we both love.
0: Yeah, the the pork book, the kids pork, pork book. Yeah. I don't remember what that's called.
1: I think isn't it just called Chewbacca and the Porks? Oh Chewing, yeah, or Chewy and, and the, the, the Porks. porks. Um, so good. which is a great book but this this comic definitely had some similarities to it mm-hmm. so i wonder which came first
0: i don't know but it did make me even more want the um the porg lego set not gonna lie
1: oh the the big porg yeah
0: <laughs> yeah because yeah. the mech the mechanics and that are actually really cool Uh, but yes, so it does remind me of that, but the drawings of the Porgs are so cute and fluffy and they make all kinds of silly noises.
1: I do think that's the strength of this one is just the art and the the cuteness of the Porgs is really, I think that's the entire purpose of this. (laughs) There's not really much to this one.
0: But Um, I love all the details about Porgs. Like they give all these, almost like you're watching like a documentary They're only knee-high and much lighter than they look, thanks to a thick layer of waterproof feathers with a fluffy underlayer for warmth. I was like, oh, a penguin. (laughs) And then they say, if a porg skull can fit through a hole, so can its chubby body. Well, that is cool to know. Yeah, it's kind of like a mouse. And then there's this one where it's chewing on like a toothbrush and toothpaste. (laughs) There's
1: burping, there's purring, (laughs)
0: there's slurping.
1: (laughs) It's brushing itself. It's singing at one point. Yep. It's adorable.
0: It's so cute.
1: <laughs> and the funny thing to me is that Delilah Dawson wrote this because, I mean, if you read Phasma and how intense and dark that story is, mm-hmm. and how violent it is, and then you can get something like this from the same writer. is that's That's so funny to me.
0: Yeah, this is really cute, and the art on this is fabulous.
1: Yeah, so um, I figured with this one, with the story, you know, you have K2SO and Ewoks, or er, not Ewoks, but Wookiees. You have K2SO and Kid Wookiees, and then you have another story with Chewbacca and Porg. So I was like, man, they like they made these for, for Teresa.
0: Do you know how you can tell if a Porg is male or female?
1: Uh, by the coloration?
0: Yes, but specifically what?
1: Oh, I th- I thought that would be a good enough answer.
0: It's not. So if a pork has orange around its eyes, it's a male. Just so you know.
1: Like right around its eyes or just yep. like... So this one so here if, is a male?
0: Well, the, there's, they showed two or three different ones in well, this the one comic. That's doing all
1: the, uh, the one that's burping and slurping and purring.
0: That one? That yeah. one is a male. Okay, that one.
1: because of the orange...
0: Mm-hmm. But if you time. look, if you look further on, when you get towards the end, there's a male and a female sleeping. Oh, okay. When they're ready to lay their eggs, see.
1: Oh yeah, I see that. Yeah, they they made a little nest. So, yep. Yeah, and then at the end of the volume, you get all the cover art because this is collects. I think it collects like four issues of Star Wars Adventures. Um, so you get all the cover art at the end here, and the one I think with it's the two fun. porcs.
0: I think it's five. Just saying.
1: Is it five? Okay, you get the you get the one with the two porgs with like kind of the the octo in the background, the path, and they're just kind of like looking. No, it's they're looking at
0: you like, huh?
1: Yeah, that's like, um, what are
0: you doing here?
1: That's good poster art.
0: Good poster. I agree. Yeah. Maybe Ariana Florian will be at celebration, and I can get a porg picture. <laughs> yeah,
1: she can. Uh, if she has a artist table, you can. Get her to do a commission for you in your art book. Oh,
0: that'd be cool. Yeah, so. that's something I need to keep doing, actually.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so we just wanted to record an episode and talk about Star Wars Adventures Volume Two and some of the latest news that came out. Yeah, and then we'll figure out what we're going to talk about next.
0: So, in between shows, you can find us on Twitter. We are at SW and you can shoot us an email if you've read star wars adventures any of them send us an email star wars bookworms at gmail.com you can find us on facebook facebook.com star wars bookworms
1: you can also join our facebook group if you want to talk some star wars books uh, check that out search star wars bookworms on facebook and you'll find our group and then just shoot us a request um and we'll add you to the group and we're on itunes you can always leave us a review there Teresa is on Instagram and Twitter at Ice Cold Penguin. And I am on Twitter at avgoins.
0: So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.